0: Welcome to the Blockdown Podcast, brought to you by EOK Digital, the number one blockchain PR and communications agency. Every week we're sharing pills of wisdom about the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency. Don't forget to subscribe and review our podcast so we can bring you even more great
1: content.
2: Hello, hello, everybody. This call is going to be about Gen 2 oracles and the data singularity. Our uh, tech lead, former CEO, Sam el here has a deep background in big data. And yeah. Sam, one of the things I wanted to talk with you about here on this call is, well, we've got a multi-trillion dollar revolution happening right now. Mm-hmm. Google, Amazon, Facebook, Microsoft these brands have massive cloud mm-hmm. data infrastructures, yet I was reading some statistics from Forbes talking about how 90% of the data that's out there that's unstructured, big companies aren't necessarily able to use, which if we factor mm-hmm. out that these brands are worth trillions of dollars as of now, knowing that the vast majority of this data isn't tapped into, I guess what I what I wanted to be able to Learn more about is what what exactly is it that is holding back a lot of these companies, and where do you see that I guess that pivot point happening mm-hmm. where we can begin mm-hmm. to tap into even more of that.
1: Mm. So it's a good question. I think to understand big data, right, and how you can use it, you have to sort of take a step back and and realize how we got here, right. How we got to the place where we've got all this data that's unstructured all over the place. Now, if you if you go all the way back to Web 1.0 when you had Netscape Navigator and, and, uh, and, and Yahoo, and you realize that the vast majority of the data that was out there was produced by publishers. So you had, you know, you had brochure websites, you had newspapers, and, and were just starting out, and you had you know, the Yellow Pages, Alta AltaVista, uh, uh, and, and Yahoo. So that's where the majority of the data was. But then with the explosion of social media, the vast majority of data now became produced by the consumer. So you've got posts, you've got blog posts, you've got tweets on these, you've got likes, shares, comments. All that is user-generated. It's not produced by... A centralized place, so it, 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 it's 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 saved in a centralized place, but it's not produced by a centralized place. So then you get these companies where they're like, okay, we've got we've got this we've got for example, your 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 bog standard uh, e-commerce website. Let's say you're an e-commerce website and you sell shoes, right? You've got data you've got data saying this is what my catalog is this these are what my these are the kind of shoes i sell these are called SKUs. but then you've got variety of people talking about your products in other places whether it's social media whether it's any news outlet whether it's someone just wrote a blog post about it and each of these places save data in a, in a different way they're not. They might, for example, you might call it a skew. You know, someone else might call it like a, a, a shoe. Someone else might call it a sneaker. So that 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 disconnect is really where the role of a data engineer is. You've got to get this data from. Uh, you've got your centralized place, and then you've got to get social media data. You've got to get marketing data. You've got to get ad sales. You've got got all these different places are talking about technically the same thing: shoes but they've all structured how they talk about shoes in a completely different way. And the role of a data engineer is to take all this data from different data sources, join it together and make sense out of it. So then the company can understand their customer, understand their behavior and try and sell it better. Like Amazon were the very first people who who did this and they did it in a very simple way, which is they looked at uh, what people are buying and then they looked at, for example, if you if you were if you bought like a a a a a shoe from Amazon, they'd be like, hang on, we know Andy's age roughly, we know where he lives, we also know what he just bought. So let's look at what uh, what other people bought the same shoes as Andy. And they're like, okay, fine, let's look at what else did they buy that is very similar to Andy. And then you're like, you start building a model of of this profile and you start realizing that, hang on, Andy and this other person have very similar interests. So why don't we look at what Andy has bought, but this other person did it and saying, well, people who bought this also bought that. So that's kind of the idea. Everyone's trying to build this 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 uh, the recommendation engine really saying, you know, this, this is what you bought. But to do that, you really need to get all these different other data sources. and and structure them you structure them in a way that is more makes more sense but taking this all back to crypto the only valuable piece of information that everyone seems to be sharing is pricing data but that's really just the smallest tip of ice of the iceberg once you realize hang on we've got behavior you can you can start looking at you know trades and looking understanding at what's been happening and then joining it with 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 what's happening outside the crypto space, political events. And you start, for example, how many times has China banned Bitcoin, right? That seems to be happening almost every year. So so you start uh, trending that and then you can build machine learning models because all machine learning is literally iterating over historical events and trying to predict with some level of accuracy what will happen in the future? You can never get 100%. But machine learning is literally just about predicting. The more data it has, the better you get. So when you when you start looking at sorry, when you start looking at historical data, that's when the real value comes into play. And to me, that's my view. The next generation of oracles is not price feeding. It's what else is out there, and how can we monetize it?
2: You know, that that brings up a real good point looking at, I guess, the evolution from the web 2.0 data stacks, which might be comments, posts, whatever types of reviews and articles may be written about a product or service, and then joining that all together to make sense of. Yet, like you said, these are all in centralized locations. When I look at our friends around the industry, Chainlink, The Graph, mm-hmm. API3, Ocean Protocol, all of these, you know, just dozens and dozens of data projects, I can't help but realize that we're all on the same team. Because Absolutely. if we take the aggregate of all of the data projects in blockchain, it, it, it doesn't even pay, I mean, it, it's not even a, a pebble on, on mm-hmm. the beach that is this actual data revolution. So I wonder when we look at this shift happening from centralized data sources and understanding that the bottleneck is everything is separated, everything is apart for now, it seems reasonable to believe that whenever that data becomes joined together, not by centralized companies, which are gonna inherently be limited by whatever resourcing or attention they want to push towards whatever agenda they may have in their business initiatives, but instead it can be whatever data feeds or whatever insights might an individual may seem useful or perhaps even a, a data consumer might be. So, you know, this is something I'd love to share. And I think, uh, I think I just saw Dylan uh, hop yeah, on in. Yeah, Great to see you and uh, feel free to join in as well. I'd, I'd like to pick both of y'all's brains and happy to share some as well. What do you see? Of course, we've got price feeding. I think Chainlink definitely paved the way to show how much tangible monetary value there is in that single data type. What other assets or what other types of data would you guys say are, I guess, call it the, the next frontiers? of data monetization something for the developers that might be watching or the analysts or engineers or even enthusiasts who may want to participate in that trillion dollar transfer that's happening off-chain to on-chain data
1: mm-hmm.
0: Done. i mean relevant? yeah i can take five or six
2: sentences um so yeah.
0: the difference between like kylan as opposed to other projects that are Maybe one of the key differences not having you know I don't know everything, so I don't know if there are other projects, but let's say that I you know I, I was omniscient. Um, I think one of the key differences uh, of Kylan is that we have a really an open sandbox environment when it comes to the ability to uh, engineer your own scripting parameters. What that means is engineer the the data feeds and API calls that 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 you can put together, right? What does this mean? It means that, well, the limitation of the uh, of the types of data feeds or the things that you could imagine this coalescing into in the future is only really human imagination, um, and that would be the, the the key difference I think of how we're sort of in you know building this out over time. Um, make no mistake, we have huge you know we have challenges right ahead of us um and and it's not gonna be like next month all this stuff is gonna be out to to market i think you know bruce Pond earlier sam i don't know if you caught that like he's like it's it's like rudimentary at this point and that's okay because it's something completely new
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think from my side like a pop if if you t- just take a step back uh from from pricing and you start looking at uh the the industries that that crypto can can disrupt that the underlying the underlying unique selling point of cryptocurrency the underlying uh innovation here is this decentralized trust now if you take that and you look at every single part of your life where you're paying for trust then you realize what you can change right we 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 looked at banking because of defi fine Banking is not the only single source of trust, right? There's, there's uh, the supply chain, right? Supply chain has far too many redundancies in place. It's just far too complex. And then you can be like, okay, go talk to some supply chains and understand what their data needs. Because that's all they're doing. They're saying, okay, where did I get this product? And let me find out whether it came security from this one person. And I need to give the other person in the chain a uh, the confirmation now that's data that's valuable so why don't we decentralize it right agriculture that's another thing where you've got you want to understand you know how where this this apple came from want to understand you know where what what where did it go where did it come from where all that is really valuable data and you're paying you're paying uh supermarkets that you trust right because you're gonna be like, okay, they're gonna give me something, they won't poison me. But once you try and get rid of the trust element and make it decentralized, that's when you, you'll you find value. There's so many industries that, that that crypto can disrupt and can do more efficiently. And data is essential to that.
2: Yeah, but, you know, it's something that when I look at where is the opportunities to monetize within data I personally don't, like, kind of similar how you described, it can be so many things in dialing. You said that creativity is the only limitation, really. When when looking at it, and this is from my studies as an enthusiast data scientist, um, it's really about making decisions. You know, Sam, like you had alluded to uh, in the first question, talking about how companies need to be able to understand their customers, not just what are their general buying patterns, but how can they create systems that learn and that accelerate that learning in a way they're able to make it to where if we go with the standard data is is oil metaphor, um, it, it kind of loses, loses weight at that point because oil is an entirely renewable resource, yet data in itself is able to be connected and joined in creative different ways. And in any situation, whether that is a supply chain of things going from point A to point B and looking to figure out the most efficient, safest, cheapest, whatever the variable might be, or being able to unlock and to find out what trends are occurring. You know, If we go uh, back to the standard price-feeding side of things, if we look at what is Gen 1 versus Gen 2, well, Gen 1 perhaps might be, what is the price of Bitcoin? So that way, a lending protocol is able to get an appropriate price on, on what the LTVs might be. On the other hand, a Gen 2 Oracle or a decision-making pipeline Oracle, that's gonna be more about finding out, well, how is the price of this asset moving now versus previously? And what might be the relative risk? Perhaps if we take the same narrative of looking at risk, it could be going as far as understanding what is the uh, risk of a, uh, of having a certain product to be sold first versus another. Companies will have to invest pretty heavily into resourcing and supply chain and, and then resources, everything like that. So I wonder then, and as we're looking at where things go, as you know, of course we're building the marketplace by which data providers can upload their data, data consumers can request data, and everybody in a trustless manner, in, in a system that is open and secure, are able to interact and collaborate with each other creating this compounding effect. So kind of in the spirit like dialing, looking 10 years in the future, going to bring it down a little bit. But if we take a look at the Web2 world, where it was mostly publisher generated content, um, transitioning into user generated content, now we're getting to a point where we have machine generated content on top of user generated content, mixed together uh, revolutionary technologies such as AI and 5G and looking at, of course, blockchain and the way these are all accelerating at an exponential rate. It really makes me wonder then when it comes down to applications on the blockchain, that's where we really see the future of Kylan being able to assist, not just basically any blockchain company that may have a bunch of data that is not currently being processed with machine learning. I guess I wonder when it comes down to the individual developer, when it comes to the enthusiast that's looking to learn more about data. Where would you guys suggest that people start that journey? Because of course, and we will have a series talking about how to join in the monetization of machine learning oracles, perfect. How would you guys uh, suggest people start this journey, to dip their toe in the water and progress further to actually begin to either create these data sets or go even further?
1: Darlene, go ahead. We've got three minutes uh, now.
2: We've got three minutes. Oh my God.
0: Um, so I would say the first thing we should do is we've got a great, great community member named Juan and he had this like amazing list of things that people should consult considering, uh, to consider the, you know, a really adroit sort of like, um, understanding of all the ways data is impacting our lives. Right. But, um, like Bruce had said in, in, in our chat earlier, uh, about this a little bit from ocean protocol is that like, um, getting a sense of the value of these of, of this will be the impetus upon which people you know start thinking about adopting it right um, it certainly is the case that uh, ml has a real bottleneck right now with respect to the siloization of data um, that'll be a huge use case but um, some of the first, you know you can think about some some things that are really neat or like What's the what's what's a data feed that includes a precursor indicator of like of of what Bitcoin may be? And maybe it includes some off-chain information that we haven't even considered. Like maybe it's like, you know, the number of tires sold in Shenzhen. Who knows? Right? But it becomes we can associate some sort of precursor indicator to this and analyze it through, you know, an, another bucket of what we're building yeah. in Kylan, which is um, data querying, decentralized warehouse. Decentralized warehousing or data warehousing, rather, and um, it all, you know, fits together. The point is, Kylan uh, is is a data blockchain, and you know we're on Polkadot, and Polkadot connects to everything. So, in the final analysis.
2: Brilliant. How are we doing on time, Sam? Do we have a chance I, I for your
1: answer? I think literally it's the last minute, so I'll let, I'll let you do closing <laughs> statements. <laughs>
2: All right, fantastic. Well, everybody, thanks for watching. Gen 2 Oracles will be dropping an update tomorrow about what's happening next in that terms, as well as Kusama parachains. Thank you so much for your time. Dialin. thank you for being a host. Till next time. Bye for now, everybody.
1: Thank you all. Have a lovely night. Bye. Thank you. Thanks
0: for listening to the Blockdown Podcast. To connect with us on social media, buy tickets for the next Blockdown event, or find out more about EAK Digital, head to the show notes for further information and links to everything. See you next week!